0: What's up Warriors fans, this is the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast Sports Ethos Presentation. Sam Warlick here, your host. We've got a very special episode today. Corey LeBeau is back. We're talking all things Warriors, getting geared up for preseason and the regular season just around the corner. So let's get right into it. Hey, Corey.
1: Hey, Sam! How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. We're back, baby! We are back. I can't believe it. Even though it was a longer off-season than we're used to because of the early playoff exit, it still felt so short because there's so much stuff happening all the time. And it's already here. We're going to start so soon.
0: Yeah, we're like, what, less than three weeks? About two to three weeks Away from uh, opening night.
1: Absolutely. And so much to get into. It feels like an entirely new team, which is kind of surprising for an uh, organization that's been so built on continuity over the past you know, half decade.
0: Less than two weeks, actually. Yeah, 24th. Wow, 12 days. And we've still got four more preseason games to go, which is really weird.
1: <laughs> <To think laughs> yeah, of. it's kind of... <laughs> kind of bizarre to have one week in between the first preseason games and then just like putting them all in there right before.
0: Yeah, um interesting comment you made though about like kind of the team and and so many changes and I feel like I feel like yes and no. Um I feel like it was almost like addition by subtraction in the sense of like by Moving off of some of the younger players that were a little more immature or problematic, regardless of, of their um, potential upside, and bringing in some more established veterans, um, things are things are moving along very smoothly. The attitude and most of the reports coming out of of media and out of camp and, and through training camp and some of the, you know, the first preseason game has been on connectivity and, mm-hmm. um, and how everybody is just so in sync and in line. They get what's going on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've got Corey Joseph, who um, hasn't even played yet since he's dealing with a um, – Back issue, uh, Rodney McGruder and and Rudy Gay, who were still fighting for that uh for that roster spot that might potentially make a splash, um and then CP three Dario Saric, um the two the two new rookies Pajetsky and Trace Jackson Davis, um mm-hmm. but then everyone else is returning and it feels like when you've got Steph Clay Draymond Wiggins Looney. Kaminga, Moody, and GP2, it's like that's already a pretty significant group to be entering year three. If you, you know, count, you know, GP2's last year with the Warriors as kind of being a partial season. Um that that's pretty good continuity to be having that much of your team return for year three, um, given uh the adversity of of last season and and I feel like they've got that hunger very similar to um the last season that they won when they had the disappointing exit in the play in and you could and that's the season that they got off to the uh the 18 and what is it the 18 and 3
1: start mhm mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. They do obviously the core people are coming back and if you've got Steph Clay and Draymond and Steve Kerr even though there has been, I feel like compared to like, at least the dynasty years, a lot of turnover with new free agents, a new bench, a very high-profile addition in Chris Paul. But the fact that they're all playing Steve Kerr's style and Steph Curry's style and that they're all on the same page and it seems like it's flowing, you're right, it does feel like a nice continuation. Maybe it just feels, you said kind of like the half season last year, maybe it's just that last year feels so different and if we just pretend it didn't happen. And we're just going right from the championship year. It's like, oh yeah, we're right on track. gp 2s here the whole time and he's healthy. And we've got some updated, you know, new players. We've got a new European and Dario Sarge to take over the Bielitsa role. It's like, we're just plugging <laughs> in the holes, but it is. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, I love how you said connectivity. I like how it's the Bay area. It's the Golden State Warriors. They have to use like tech startup language in terms <laughs> of how they're talking. But the connectivity and really focusing, I saw Steve Kerr on the interview saying, this is one of the higher IQ teams we've had. And it's like, yes, we are getting older, but we're getting smarter and we know how to play and we're playing in the right way. It's going to be exciting to see how they get off right off the bat. I think there is going to be that hunger for that start, just like they had two years ago.
0: Right. And not not to harp on it too much, and I feel like this is less of a thing now than maybe like Two or three seasons ago. But do you remember, like a couple years ago, it was like the big thing to do in the summer is talk about how each individual player has has grown exponentially or added this much muscle. It's like, this guy has mm-hmm. added 20, you know, as Wiseman was a great example of that. Wiseman's added like 20 pounds of muscle in the and we're just like foaming at the mouth of like, oh my God, yeah. he, he's so strong. And it's like, Dude, everyone says that about everyone. And and you kind of have to take this, like, training camp updates with a grain of salt. Because, of course, they're not going to come out and be like, man, we're flat, <laughs> guys are out terrible. of shape, <laughs> they look terrible. Like, obviously, everyone's going to, like, paint themselves in a rosy picture. But I will say, thinking on it a little bit more, and it was talked about in some of the um, athletic interviews with Steve Kerr, like, the fact that they're older, more veteran, higher IQ, like they're able to get into more detail. They're able to run drills and not have to stop 30 seconds in because Ryan Rawlings, you know, missed something or, or doesn't understand mm-hmm. or or Wiseman's like trying to, you know, like they're not having to stop as much. They can get more, more involved into the action, into the purpose. And then that leads to building more relationships amongst players. There's all of this... Um, Kind of like vet pairing with younger players. Most recently, it was Draymond talking about um, his relationship with Moses Moody. And so you've got all Mm -hmm. these like little relationships building when you see them on the bench you know, the, the vets were interacting with, with some of the younger guys, even after, you know, the, they, they were kind of checked out of the game in the third quarter. You can just see that everyone's a little bit more invested in each other's growth and development because everyone's a little bit more on the same page and, and less about, you know, I'm pouting because I'm not in the game or I wanted more minutes or I'm upset with my role. Like everyone's a little bit more um, grown up and adult. And um, I think that, that the Warriors are really banking on this, right? Because we don't have a ton of size. We didn't sign that perennial center, Dwight Howard-esque type player. Uh-huh. Um, obviously that could change as the season goes on, but it seems like they're pretty happy with this group. They're banking on playing smarter, not larger.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with the size thing, they've gotten so much smaller. They are banking on Draymond and Looney being the front court that won them the championship a couple of years ago if we just have more consistency the whole way through. And what you're getting at, Sam, is the like the paradigm has shifted a little bit. Like The balance was not there last year in terms of there were so many young players who were looking at what they want. And that clashed with the veteran savvy. And now it's like, nope, we're not doing the two-time line thing. We've got all of the old heads. They know how to play. We know what we're trying to do. And that allows room for... A Jonathan Kaminga say, who might have a chance to pop this season. I'm sure we're going to chat about that, but he has more room to be. He's the guy who's trying to figure it out and has the structure as opposed to all the young players out at the same time. And Steve Kerr can't deal with it. The veterans don't want to deal with it. So that kind of clarity of vision and play style going back last time we chatted was, you know, summer league and the draft and the fact that they even drafted players that were like, oh, this is a rookie in. Trace Jackson Davis, DJD, that they can, that Kerr can put in right away. Like, no more upside guys. Let's put in someone who, well, I shouldn't say no more upside guys, but let's put in someone who can play right now rather than the investment in four years can turn into a superstar. Right. I think let's that's going to really the, help with that vision.
0: The, the IQ system fit, not the um, athleticism high upside pick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Kerr even said already, even saying that is like, yeah, we're not, we're probably not going to use the rookies that much. Like they're going to develop and they're going to work because they actually have the depth now to play a lot of veterans and a lot of people who are fitting into the system. It's actually kind of exciting. And like, I know they won the title a couple of years ago, which is, was magical and so special and amazing, but I'm kind of excited to see what they do without the tension of Old versus young. It's like, nope. This is a fully Steve Kerr team with Steve Kerr players and a clarity of purpose, and like they are gung ho trying to win. I'm excited to see what Steph does and what Kerr does and how the whole team responds.
0: Right, and you're not using your your 14th pick in your roster, your 14th slot in your roster for like a Ryan Rawlings type. You're using it for a 37 year old Rudy Gay who's on a. Non-guaranteed training camp invite, fighting for a roster spot, which again is very reminiscent yeah. to the last year they won, when your end of the bench rotation was Damian Lee and and Juan Toscano-Anderson. Like these are very capable veteran player role players who are fighting to just be a part of something special. Um, and it just Definitely. shows it just shows the shift in in perspective and mentality. And in that sense, it feels like. You know, without without shading any blame, because I feel like Bob Myers has obviously done an incredible job in his tenure as GM for the Warriors. But it seemed like almost a requisite by having Dunleavy come in and really enable this shift, because it feels like now, in hindsight, seeing all the changes that they've made, basically shipping off everybody not named Moody and Kaminga that they've drafted over the last three years, and then bringing in mm-hmm. a bunch of a bunch of old heads. That they really said, let's build this team for Steve Kerr and the veterans and see if we can give it another go rather than this is another season to prove that this is why we should have drafted James Wiseman with the second pick. It's kind of like, dude, (laughs) just just take the
1: L and move on. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think that goes back to the continuity, like thing we were talking about before, where yes, there is a lot of continuity, but Dunleavy taking over, making such shocking. Trades that would never happen, we're used to the Kavon looney experiment, right of like, oh they're not great now, but they keep getting better, and they get into the system, and by their seventh year in the league, they're like a cons- a foundational part of the team like we're so <laughs> we're so proud of our draft picks and sometimes right. hold on to them a little too long, like we'll even like Patrick McCon and Jordan Bell and all those guys, right. and to have such decisive moving away from that into let's get Rudy Gay of all people into this locker room to see if he has what it takes to make the team. It is a shift in thinking. And maybe that's what they need. They need that kind of attitude to go for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I also, um, it was really interesting to hear Joe Lacob talk, um, in the second quarter of the preseason game against the Lakers the other night. Um, and just kind of hearing his insights you know obviously he was he was talking about the addition of the WNBA team that's coming to mm-hmm. to San Francisco and and alluded to possibly incorporating more teams in other sports basically like Ooh. we're in the bis- you know we're in the business of winning and where it makes sense we're going to invest and continue to find opportunities and position ourselves to win um, and that was very interesting to hear him say, you know, like, yeah, we could have just pocketed the money of of winning all these championships and called it a day and and hit the reboot button, whatever. But it's like, we want to continue winning. And if we feel like we've got a shot to do it, like, I'm going to put my checkbook where my mouth is and, and give it another go. So uh, that, wow. was, that was very interesting to hear.
1: Very exciting. First of all, the WNBA team coming to the Bay Area. So excited. It's about dang time honestly, in terms of expanding that league. The WNBA finals are going on right now. Fabulous basketball, fun to watch, excited for the Warriors to get their counterpart team there. And, you know, it just goes back. I always crack up whenever I hear Joe Lakeham talk about this stuff. It's like, we're not just a basketball team, Sam. We are an entertainment conglomerate company that's going to win at everything we do. I'm like, go ahead bud go ahead do what you need to do (laughs) as long as you're providing steph curry the proper uh scaffolding for his title chases
0: well a lot of people don't even know this but the the warriors already have an esports team
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's part of like all they're doing and how they're getting like andrew wiggins to the all-star game with all the different connections that they have it's Exciting stuff! It's 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 almost like they're thinking light years ahead of other
0: teams. Damn, <laughs> Where have I like, heard that before?
1: <laughs> almost like there's a, there's a vision out there. Yeah, it's cool. I do like. It is very funny that clearly all of the underlying things is the only reason we held on to Wiseman so long, and all these other draft picks were for like the ego of having the number two pick. And now that it's done, to like, we never said there was a two timeline thing. What are you talking about? We're always just trying to win. It's like, okay, that was some institutional turmoil that may have undermined last season, along with, you know, punching a teammate in the face. But it all adds up together.
0: Yeah, and when you look at how um, the... I I didn't follow it too closely, but, you know, there was obviously tension between um, uh, Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves star... um, Why am I... uh, blanking on his name uh the one who who was drafted before Wiseman
1: oh Anthony Edwards yeah Yeah.
0: thank you Edwards yeah Kerr benching Edwards and in Team USA and FIBA um and and kind of Kerr's comments about how he didn't work out hard enough and you know you just you get the sense that if the Warriors could go back in time and do that draft again short of them trading the pick to move down they probably would have taken Wiseman again so I think that's where I've seen most wow. of the legit criticism is the move was never, the move was don't have the second pick because it's kind of a beta draft. Like you're forced to take Lamello or Wiseman because they have all of this upside, but really the play was Halliburton that they knew that they wanted, but there was no way they were going to take Halliburton at number two. And they needed to have just traded, uh, traded that pick to move down. Um, into the draft yeah, to get him at a more reasonable spot.
1: Absolutely, no, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. And we've got to put into context, like the Warriors had a championship roster with that pick. That's something that no other lottery team gets. And it's very difficult. I'm sure it's like tough to figure out how do you slot into the team? Do you do the highest upside, all of that. But it hurt watching Steve Kerr, uh, you know, coach this national team where you've got Anthony Edwards on the team. You didn't get, you didn't pick him because he was gone first, but he becomes like the star of that team. You have Tyrese Halliburton who, oh my God, you could have picked him and you could have traded down to get him as well. You know, that was probably an option on the table and he's amazing on the team. And then on the other side, we've got Franz Wagner just crushing it for Germany and looking like a total <laughs> stud picked right after Kaminga and that is... I'm not willing to write that in stone as a mistake because I think we still believe in Jonathan Kaminga, but it is like looking at the wreckage of last year and the fact that there was this tension between youth and veterans, seeing quality young players already be stars when they could have been chosen by the Warriors. Those are some whiffs that if they don't turn it around, will go down as pretty rough mistakes, but there's still time to, you know, make sure Kaminga's an all-star or whatever he needs to be and a quality player and everything like that. But it must have been weird for Steve Kerr to see those on his own team and against his own team in this setting. I wonder what he thought about it.
0: Yep. Yep. 100%. At least we're not the uh, Charlotte Hornets, man. Jeez, some some really bad, <laughs> some bad news if you're a Hornets fan. Um, oh,
1: gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm totally that Sam, like the Warriors get a lot of flack for their em, like their emphasis on like, character and quality of personality. And it's like, Oh, James Wiseman speaks so many different languages. Harrison Barnes plays an instrument, like all sorts of stuff like that. Like, it's a bit funny. But then you look at another team that's like dealing with such turmoil, because they don't have that institutional culture, and much worse things as well, too. And it's like, well, that's not a way to build a team either. So there you go. And I'm excited for the Warriors this year. They still have enough young talent in Moody and Kaminga to kind of keep things fresh. It's more balanced. And they figured out the right way to go.
0: Yeah. Um, and and it was also indicative in, in their preseason game against the Lakers um, mm-hmm. that... You had basically, you know, no, no LeBron or Anthony Reeves or Draymond Green or Corey Joseph, Um, but it was a fairly tight game in the first half and even into the third quarter. And basically at that point, the six minute mark, because basically in the third quarter at six minutes, the starters were pulled. They played like two six-minute stints i mean for the warriors nobody played more than 14 minutes for the starters um it was the second unit running with it and this was against at times it was the first unit of the lakers out there it was against uh bench players from the lakers that did damage to us in the playoffs like Hachimura and vanderbilt and you had um Kaminga with 24, Moody with 15, Pajetsky with 11. But regardless of the points, it was the way that they played together. You had Saric in the middle of everything, setting screens, throwing backdoor passes. Um, Everybody was just involved and you you could just really feel like this was a group that was comfortable playing together, even though they didn't have Chris Paul orchestrating the second unit. You had... And you didn't have Corey Joseph either. You had Brandon Pajetsky um, kind of running things and and getting a long leash and and having success um, on both ends, defensively and offensively. And so I feel like that was kind of my takeaway from that first preseason game. Um, It's preseason, whatever. But at the same time, it was very positive to see the second unit. Build a huge lead and do damage against a group that at times, you know, the warriors had just really struggled against in in the postseason
1: absolutely. And a mismatch as well, in terms of the size that they play with and their play style. No, absolutely. Here's the rule about preseason, right? Like it doesn't matter unless it's good, in which case it really matters. That's awesome. We can celebrate that. So it's fun to watch how they play. And especially with the Warriors, I feel like whenever they've had a really great year, like in a surprisingly great year, they've had a preseason that shows that. I remember in 2015, before the title, their first title year in the Steph Curry era, they had an amazing preseason. We're like blowing the doors off of teams. And then the same thing in 2022 as well. like They like were playing with a tight focus. They were hungry. Like you said at top, they wanted to avenge things. And you can tell that now, even though the starters aren't really playing that much and all that, they're showing Warriors basketball. They're showing the principles. And what's exciting to me, I mean, we can stay on the, seven, the second unit too, but watching Chris Paul and Steph Curry play together and how they're finding each other on the court and how to make this two point guard style work and channeling steps off ball but also allowing Chris Paul to be off ball I'm very excited to see all of that they've seemed like they've got that identity and also I just have to laugh I saw one tweet after the game after the game being like pods has already beaten the Nico Mannion allegations like he's good <laughs> he can play we're good to go
0: yeah he he looks really good he just looks really comfortable um struggled in summer league as we talked as we talked about a little bit earlier in uh, in the summer mm-hmm. but it seems like that was almost a good thing because he's gotten a ton of feedback cuz it seemed it was less about his play and more about like his shot mechanics or how he decided to go into the lane, very correctable things. And it sounds like he's been working with the trainers. He's getting a lot of input from Steph Curry. He's been getting a lot of input from GP 2 defensively. Like this is what you want as a young player, make mistakes, but show the hunger and interest in developing your skills and improving and work on your craft. And I mean, uh, he was rewarded with a, a team high 26 minutes. Um, on Saturday.
1: Absolutely. And that stuff matters. You know, Kerr likes to, even if you're not in the rotation, he'll throw you in on a random night and be like, yeah, play. And let's see if you get some more playing time. So staying ready, being able to take these opportunities and seething them with good play, showing you can play in the system. That's huge. That's so huge. I think, Sam, one of the biggest things from the first preseason game, and something you may have been alluding to in terms of like the off-season hype videos, Jonathan Kaminga looks like he might have a special year for his year three. And it's really exciting to see him come into his potential. Know that he has like we could have traded him, right? There were mul- like people got traded, Jordan Poole got traded, there were uh at the um, all-star break in the trade deadline there were chances for him to go the Warriors seem to have placed their faith in him like no we want to play with you let's see what you do and it seems like he's really embraced it both in terms of his work ethic in the offseason although that's me falling for those videos now but that was a great first game on the preseason not just scoring but the rebounding too
0: yeah yeah eight rebounds which was a team high and, um, you know, I hate to kind of keep harping on this because I think that, you know, Poole was put in a little bit of a tough place, but there's been a lot of kind of surfacing reports on some of the stuff that Poole had said to Draymond to spark the conflict, whatever. We don't need to unpack all of that, but where I'm getting with all of this is <laughs> I feel like Kaminga really felt some camaraderie and closeness to Jordan Poole because he was kind of like the bridge between being a young player in the league to kind of rising star and aspired and looked up to him. And when Poole really had his his swings of last year, I think that had a big impact on Kaminga coupled with the fact that Kaminga was unable to do what the coaching staff was asking of him. Now that I think what you just said, right, that the that the organization has made it really clear, like, hey JK, we picked you. Pool's gone. And JK knows that his name was in trade discussions, right? OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, whatever, whatever. You know, his name was being thrown around as a as a trade, as a trade target. And they chose they chose to keep him. you got to believe that they had to sit down with him and said, please, please, please rebound so we can keep okay. you on the floor. Um, and, you know, they've been saying that he's been the most locked in, asking questions, kind of awareness of what's going on than he's ever been. And it's starting to show. And this is kind of the uh, year three leap that everybody is uh, talking about, that they're kind of comping to uh, Harrison Barnes when, when Barnes took that um, huge leap when Jordan Poole took that huge leap, and so I, I totally agree that that he is the biggest X factor for the Warriors this season. Um, coming off the bench, starting, whatever, there's going to be opportunities with this old roster that he's going to be thrust into minutes. Um, there's going to be plenty of shots for him to take sure he made some mistakes he made some errant passes or or this and that but he continued to play hard he played through it he hit four three-pointers he had some very good he had some very good playmaking opportunities where he got into the lane pump fake pump fake pass it off to somebody else for the dunk like he is understanding what it means to play Steve Kerr ball it's not you need to go out and score 20 or you need to just be the finisher. It's like, you need to do all of the little things. And if you play in the system, you're so athletic, you're like the ball's going to come back to you, but just play. Don't be worried about that mistake. Don't be worried about that missed shot. Just play hard and you will continue to find ways to contribute. And I think it's finally starting to, to click for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is m- even more than the X factor. Like, you're saying he, like, solves the questions that the Warriors would need to answer. Size, speed, youth, athleticism, and aggression. Like, those are all things that the Warriors desperately need. Rim pressure. (laughs) Rim pressure, yeah, actually. What is uh, Tim Calakami of The Athletic, what he always calls tough twos. Like, can you give the ball to someone? Steph Curry can make it. Can someone, like, get into the lane and get to the free throw line and just get a bucket sometimes? He has that. He has that ability. And if he can become reliable and impactful enough outside of those that scoring where he can solve some of those issues, I mean, that makes this team ceiling so much higher. And I think you made a really good point. He is close to Jordan Poole. They're closer in age. They're the young generation. And it makes sense not to say that he's impressionable and who knows what was going on in the locker room, but it goes back to the equilibrium of the team, right? If you've got mm-hmm. someone else who's, like cranky and unhappy about their role and grumbling and is only excited when they get to be starting and have the ball and score that's going to rub off on other people too it's just like any work environment right, right. so yeah. having a that that clarity in the locker room is like hey no this is your role and also you're special at it too and you can do a good job the he has like a jammed finger or something, it happened in practice, and the panic in the team's voice where it's like, no, we think it's okay, we think it's okay. It's like, oh, they, are, <laughs> they want him to be a big part of this team. And, you know, it makes sense. I love the three-year leap that you're talking about. There's also what Steve Kerr says and what Andre Guadal has said before is it takes about a year to understand the system. Like it takes a whole year to understand what Steve Kerr is talking about, what they're doing. That's the difference between the 2015 championship team and then the 2016 73 win team. And it's almost like, yes, last year was that second year, but A, these guys are super young. And also what a weird, disastrous, bizarre year. So now we get to really see that, understanding of the system, of the role combined with maybe a better work ethic as we're getting older, combined with understanding your own potential on how to play the game, it has a chance to be something really good. And I would love to see games where he's closing, where he's playing a lot of minutes. And I just hope that Steve Kerr actually gives him the run, like he's earned the Hey, I'm going to play you consistently because you're part of this team. Because sometimes that's how you got to get through it, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, if he keeps grabbing eight rebounds a night, I think pencil him in for, you know, 25 plus minutes a night at least.
1: Totally. It must be so frustrating to be such a talented guy. And it's like, oh, you joined this championship team and they only want you to do one thing. It's like, I can do all these other things. It's like, nope, just please rebound. And if you don't rebound, you are not playing. But it makes sense. That's called. That's why basketball is beautiful. It's a team game. You got to do your stuff. And I like what you said. If you play with that aggression and purpose, you're talented enough. The ball is going to find you, dog. Like you are going to have fast break dunks. You are going to have opportunities to score. But you can put yourself in those opportunities if you're playing with the intelligence and the aggression that your role on this team demands.
0: Yeah, and he just pairs so nicely with Saric, who can who can space out the floor and. And just has such a an understand a nuanced understanding of the game. He just seems like a, a such a seamless fit. Um, I mean, I'm I'm really excited for Dario Saric. And I think I think dude's gonna get paid after this year because he's just gonna have a field day being productive on both ends of the floor. So many good plays that he made. Um the box score mm-hmm. doesn't really stand out necessarily, but He had great passes, good rebounds, some great defensive plays, just so many things that we didn't see from Jermichael Green last year. Oh, my uh, God. That just already you can see Saric understands, like, defend without fouling. Like, just use your your wingspan (laughs) and don't reach down. Or, like, you don't have to take the three when you get the the first pass. Like, give and go. Like, just these these very simple plays, but he just has the patience – and the calmness and also he also understands that like he needs to be the hub so i could i could tell immediately when he was out there with that second unit that he was kind of in the middle of things whether it was like a screen and roll or a give and go or he's kind of the orchestrator almost at the top of the key obviously he's not a point guard but he is kind of like helping guys get in to the right sets um, almost in a way that, that Otto Porter Jr. was, you know, kind of with his with his intelligence. You can just see how totally. he has such a good feel and understanding of what um Steve Kerr's trying to do.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the most unique parts of Kerr's system and the Warriors in general is you need big men who can pass and who can read the floor. And that's why when we hire these gigantic athletic marvels, their talent is so overwhelming, like James Wiseman or even Kameigo when he struggled. You need something else to be able to play. And you have to be able to pass. Otto Porter, Bielitza, Andrew Bogut, You know, even the veterans like Pachulia and David West, not super, well, David West was great, but he was old when he came to us, right? Not these super duper talented folks, but knowing how to play within the system. And you've got someone who can do that and organize all of the movement and the chaos that's flowing around. That is such a huge deal. And you also need someone who enjoys that, right? Like they enjoy being able to read and react and this improv style of basketball yeah, it's exciting to see Dario Sarge. I love how Warriors, Warriors Twitter and fans are like treating Dario Sarge getting signed as like, oh my God, we got the Damian Lillard trade. Like as right. the superstar coming to team, but it's because it's such an obvious fit that, I mean, it can't even help but work. Right. So at least that's the hope. But and I also love what you said as the Warriors, if they could, create this way station as come here, come to a championship system and go get your bag. Like go get a payday afterwards. This is the place you can do that. We're going to get so many talented players, especially because smart skilled players on bad teams don't get a chance to show how good they are because they're surrounded by bad players and you need good players to show how good you are. So it could be a real chance for that polishing of a reputation.
0: Sure, and and it becomes even easier to accomplish once we get out of the second apron and we can actually use a mid-level exception to offer somebody more than the veteran minimum.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Then you actually get someone like maybe you could stay for more than a year. Right.
0: Um, what were your thoughts? Uh, we didn't get to see Rodney Magruder play. Uh, he, had, he got a concussion in practice, and he looks like he's going to be out for. Um, uh, tomorrow's game against the Lakers, but what were your impressions on, on Rudy Gay? Um, he didn't get a ton of time, but saw him out there a little bit in the fourth quarter and also Usman Garuba, both, um, both guys that I think are really intriguing.
1: Yeah. Usman Garuba. I really liked from what I saw from him playing and he's also someone, you know, like he has the Draymond comp. He plays with a bit of aggression. I think, Steve Kerr can kind of gravitate towards the foreign players and, you know, the players, the international players who kind of have a more of a holistic sense of team basketball a little bit than the more American AAU concentric, like star driven basketball. And we just need more dogs on the team, right? Like we need guys who can play defense, who'll get up in people's grill. That was maybe even more than the offense last year. It was the defense that was just pitiful. Like no one could muster any man to man power in the in the game, so I think Garuba is going to be exciting. Didn't really get a chance to see too much of Rudy Gay. It's hilarious that he's that he's at this point because Rudy Gay has been a classic Warriors free agent target for the entirety of the dynasty run. It's like, oh, maybe he would come sign with us. But I just like the idea that they're not trying to save money and that they're going after. Hey, here's someone who could really slot in this role in this 14th or 15th spot. And if we could have someone who could just get a bucket, like a stretch four who could score, that would be huge.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for for Garuba as well. Signed on a two-way. So um, he's got, you know, opportunity to play with the big club and in Santa Cruz. Um, Dunleavy mentioned him as one of the five big men on the team. Uh, with the others being Dario Sarge, Draymond Green, Kavon Looney, and Trace Jackson Davis. So I think it's mm. fair to say he's going to get opportunities to play um, because you know that there's going to be nights where those guys are going to be out. Also, we don't know you know, if Draymond's going to be ready to go by opening night or not. Um,
1: Absolutely. And we know after <clears throat> the whole Anthony Lamb odyssey of last year, Steve Kerr will play his two-way guys. Like, he, they are there for a reason. So – no concern there of whether he's going to see some playing time
0: yeah and and I think without getting into it too much I think that that was more of the clash front office coaching staff like Steve Kerr's so mm-hmm. like really Bob, really Bob this is the team that you gave me to work with six rookies Andre Iguodala and then the same guys as last season with the uh, oh and Jermichael Green um Sorry, no we need to go we need to go get anthony lamb on a two-way and i'm gonna play him over moody and kaminga because they're not ready to go um
1: there was yeah there was nothing like last year i remember watching game it was when anthony lamb was first starting to get minutes and you're seeing him on the floor and steph's literally telling him where to go like (laughs) no set the screen here and pass (laughs) and it resulted in the three and it was like even (laughs) though he's so brand new just the fact that he has like the basketball understanding to do something live in the moment made him more right. playable. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, gosh, Can I say bit... one thing about oh, our two, the two way players? Yes. I am very, I'm very excited about Garuba. I like the idea of Rudy Gay. The uh, Magruder surprised me, but maybe they're just like, Draymond like we want to get rid of the conflict but Draymond does need someone he wants to punch in order to get him revved up <laughs> so maybe that's why he's like in the locker room but <laughs> I saw I saw Wait, that... we need the
0: back we need the backstory here for for fans who don't know that uh, uh Rodney Magruder Clay yeah, go Thompson got into it uh, no, 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 sorry. It was um Clay Thompson. When Clay Thompson was sitting, he was doing the broadcasting, and it was in, I think he was playing for Detroit at the time. Um mm-hmm. Magruder's like a journeyman, he's a try hard wing, you know, he's not necessarily proficient in any one thing, but he plays really hard. He he had some some good years with uh Miami under Spolstra, and then he got traded and he's kind of fallen out of the rotation. But I think it was against Detroit. And Klay Thompson is doing a little bit of the broadcasting and Magruder is getting into it with the Warriors and Klay Thompson's basically like calling out Magruder for being like washed like what's this guy doing. (laughs) Um, And so it was just really kind of amusing for for Warriors fans, especially on Twitter to like see like this guy that Klay Thompson's basically called out publicly um, now, you know, fighting for a spot on the roster.
1: Totally. I feel like there is that. And I feel like there is also like a Draymond jawing back and forth at the end of a game where they're saying a bunch of words. But yeah, it's not surprising with anything Draymond does. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, got to have a little bit of healthy conflict within the team to make sure everyone's on point. You know, there's got to be some with Chris Paul on the team, even though they're all getting along of like some kind of, no, I'm still the best player on this team. And I'm the, you know, all the point guard dynamics. But so thinking, thinking about the two ways and the spots, I know they invited Juan Toscano Anderson to training camp. And when they made the list, I saw him tweet out something of like, I can't believe it dot, dot, dot. And I'm just, it really hurt my heart. Obviously JTA is like a warrior's beloved person. He's from Oakland. He's from the Bay. He's one of the only Mexican American players in the NBA. And He was part of the team. He was a huge part of the 2021 run that kind of proved that this team could still play. And they made their way from the lottery all the way to the play-in game in that last few weeks of the season. And I thought he was an essential part of that 22 team in terms of the locker room dynamics and the culture and the chemistry. And he didn't play much in the playoffs, but he got that bag, right? He signed with the Lakers afterwards. And I was surprised that they didn't want to bring him back I trust in what they're doing. I'm sure that they, you know, Steve Kerr, if he really wanted him back, I'm sure they would have brought him back, but it was sad. I just wanted to pour one out for the homie for like a warriors legend. I thought that maybe he would be back on the team and doesn't look like it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it remains to be seen. Um, right. Like we just said, you get Garuba and then Quinones and Jerome Robinson were the other mm-hmm. two, two way signings. So, um jerome robinson's been with santa cruz for a while um he looked he looked pretty good he had some moments and then um i mean they haven't finalized the roster yet again they've got they've got 13 official on the roster with rudy gay and rodney magruder as um these training camp invites and so um Dunleavy has kind of made it a point of saying that they're going to leave a spot open and figure out something if they need to when the season goes on. Um, I'm with you, though. I, I feel like JTA was kind of like a no-brainer, end-of-the-bench veteran plug-in, but maybe they feel like that, um, that you know, he, what they were looking for, just he wasn't able to provide other than, than kind of being that Good vibes, good energy, teammate, hard worker, and they feel Mm -hmm. like you know Rudy Gay, I don't know, maybe he's got a better three-point stroke, or he's got a larger wingspan, and I'm not really doing the the comps on the spot here. But um, all I'm saying is that there is still a possibility, because neither of those two guys have been signed. I I had a really hard time reading the um, Shams post when they signed Gay and Magruder, because... I'm like this post makes it sound like it's it's a done deal. It's not. It's a Mm non-guaranteed. They basically got a a vet minimum contract to to show up for training camp and see if the Warriors want to sign them to sign them or not. So um, totally, there's still two open roster spots. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Steve Kerr uses the training camp like that's. I still remember before the championship year they were going down to the final day of the preseason of who are they going to keep? Is it going to be Gary Payton the second, or is it going to be Adrian, Adrian Bradley? Bradley. Yeah, and right. all, and and that's all, all the wanted players, Bradley. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's like a proven guy. Steph Curry has been on the record saying he's one of the best defenders he's ever seen. They don't want all of this, these young players they wanted him. And then he gets, they cut him from the team. He gets signed with the Lakers and because he stunk in the preseason. And then on the opening night against the Lakers, he's making all these threes. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. But we still end up winning. And Gary Payton turns into like a foundational piece for the Warriors. So everything worked out. But it is something to keep your eye on, on how this goes, how they fit in. And also sometimes, even though we have that, that's a real Bob Myers win. Because even though we're praising all the connectivity, hashtag connectivity of the team, of what they're doing, (laughs) That was an example where the players didn't get what they want and it was absolutely the right decision to keep it. So right. interesting to think about and love that they kind of keep this kind of competitive balance. It's what they do with the bench players too. And who's going to get playing time. It's something that Kerr likes to do.
0: Right. One thing that um, that struck me that that they've made a point of saying is that they they did like 40 or 50 scrimmages over the summer which is like unheard of for a team so they basically were just non-stop working out veterans young players this guy that guy and and we saw that right reports of jta kent basemore dwight howard Mm -hmm. like anybody and everybody was like come to a scrimmage let's see what you've got so you know that they did their due diligence um
1: absolutely
0: and and they're you know they're they've got a clear direction and identity that they are trying to establish and so we just have to kind of trust that dunleavy is going to make you know the best decision for the team um i thought rudy gay is pretty intriguing because you don't realize how big he is that like he played Mm -hmm. the four but you could feel like against certain matchups he could almost play like this undersized five um and he's got really good feel like you saw i saw a play where he was going up against um uh in the lakers the the new guy that they just traded for the young center um mm. Uh, anyways, uh, it'll come to me <laughs> later. But he's going up against the center. He pump fakes, gets him in the air, and finishes through contact. And it's just like the those little plays that you can see. Like Rudy Gay is such a refined player. Like he knows he knows what to do. He knows how to hit his shots. Kind of like Paul Millsap, right? Like Millsap yeah. had some really good years for Denver, even into his late 30s. Sure, he's not as athletic, but he's he almost like got bulkier on purpose so he can just bang mm-hmm. and bump around and you know that that Rudy Gay is going to be able to get to his mid range even if the threes aren't falling um so i do feel like he's probably my favorite um of that of that group that's kind of fighting for a spot cuz i feel like you know you could have that deep playoff matchup where nobody's got it going and you throw Rudy Gay in there for 5 minutes and he hits two or three shots you need tough twos right sometimes you need someone exactly. who can just come in there and hit a tough two Um, Sure. He's not going to play 15 minutes a night. He's probably going to be in and out of the rotation, but you need those ace, you know, aces up your sleeve that you can just, you know, put out there on on a given night.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And let's just break it down for maybe the Gen Z audience of this podcast. But Rudy Gay used to be like an all star level player. That man knows how to score. And it, the question isn't whether he's going to fit or whether he can do this, but whether he has enough gas in the tank, right? Because he's pretty old. It is not hard at all. We were talking earlier about JTA versus Rudy Gay. Like maybe he can score more. I was like, There's no doubt that Rudy Gay could actually be an offensive threat. And if you squint, you could see him easily playing the auto-porter role from two years ago or the David West role. You know, David West, it was like he never missed that mid-range jumper right at the free throw line. It's like he could make that anytime he wanted to. And just something that Steve Kerr was saying when he was talking about the Lakers series and how they lost, he said, the Lakers exposed us because we only had one way of doing things and we ran into someone that we couldn't really do those things against and we lost. And that might be an oversimplification of what happened, but it is true. And something that Steph's been saying too, they need a variety in how they can score. Steph doesn't want to have to go into Sacramento and score 50 points in a game seven. Like he wants help and variety, and if the threes aren't falling, they became so three happy last year. Who can go in the mid range? Who can score? Who has any other offensive feel? Rudy Gay would be a really nice fix for that, and also help with some of those size questions too.
0: Yeah, there was. I'm um, just not sure. Was that game game two against the Lakers when Lonnie Walker scored like 15 in the quarter?
1: Yeah, I think it was game four because it's what. Oh my God, we're down three one rather than uh, than tying it up. But yeah, the Lonnie Walker fourth quarter, where it's like, can the Warriors get one guy off the bench who could do that to the other team? And in yep. 2022, we had that. It could have yep. been Bielitza, It could have been Otto Porter. It could have been Damian Lee. It could have been anybody. They had that kind of vibrant energy. And it seems like they're kind of a deep team now it's like think about how many players we have talked about lately and i know we were saying this in the beginning of last year too but new season
0: so kind of looking ahead we got the the regular season coming up how are you feeling kind of ranking the west and and where you think the warriors are are gonna fall early season projections here
1: The West, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the chatter, Sam, the West is a bloodbath this year. We watched the Thunder and the Spurs play in preseason. These hulking Goliath centers who can shoot from half court. It's like insane (laughs) what's happening. Even even the bad teams are going to be good. So it is going to be challenging. I think The teams that do well in the regular season are the ones that have that system ball that can Mm -hmm. like, they go in, they know what to do. And I think even though the Warriors were bad last year, that was obviously a really turbulent thing going on inside the team, but normally they do well because they know what to do. They're so smart. They can think on the fly. I, I think they're going to be pretty good. I'm still not sure. I mean, Denver looked so good last year and obviously Jokic provides a, gigantic question to the Warriors lack of size. But in terms of some of the other teams, I think the Warriors are right in there with like the top four of the West in terms of maybe having home court in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. I'm with you there. Top four. I'd even go further and say and say top three or top two. I think that I think that we're gonna see this team get off to a very quick start and have a lot of early season success where a lot of these other teams like um, Memphis or Phoenix are going to kind of be struggling to uh, bring all these new pieces together and deal with all these changes. Uh Um, I think the Warriors are going to be, you know, firing on all cylinders from day one, even without Draymond Green. I think that actually makes things a little bit easier that now you don't have this big question mark of who starts or comes off the bench, uh, with CP three, I think it gives Jonathan Kaminga more room, Saric, more room to kind of get acclimated. Um, so I think warriors get off to a very quick start. I don't think the warriors have the road struggles that they did last year. I think that the warriors take care of the ball better at the end of, uh, the end Mm -hmm. of quarters, the end of games, which just leads to more winning more games that they should win. Sure. I think, you know, I don't think that there's a clear answer to how do you stop Jokic? How do you stop um, Anthony Davis? And I think the Warriors aren't looking to solve that. They're not trying to figure out we need to find a stopper for Jokic. They're trying to figure out we need to score more points than Denver um, in this game. And how do we do that? Or how do we limit Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. instead of Jokic and make Jokic score 50, but nobody else can, can touch the ball? Um, So I think they're kind of leaning into accepting that they're not going to be able to stop the perennial big men, but but take away other things and use their their IQ to uh, punish teams on the other end.
1: Um, Absolutely. And the Warriors have history in, oh, here's a team with one incredible galaxy-sized MVP-level talent who can score and pass and rebound and do all the things. We know how to guard that. We went up against LeBron James four years in a row. We've played Jokic in the playoffs. We've played Luka in the playoffs. we played James Harden in the playoffs. So yeah, you're so right. They're not worried about solving Jokic. They feel like they know. I think if you asked all of, well, if you asked them about any team, they'd be like, yes, we can win. We can win the championship with the best team in the world. As They should. They are competitive players. But I think if you really talk to the organization about, hey, would you be worried about seeing Denver in the conference finals? Like if we had gotten past the Lakers, would you be worried about Denver? And they'd be like, It'd be hard, but we could do it. We know how to play that team. And we'll see how that goes. I think it is, it's the Warriors. And this is probably, who knows how it's going to shake out at the end of the year, but in terms of powering at the beginning, Warriors. And then you've got Denver, reigning champs. Lakers, Western Conference uh, in the finals. And then Phoenix. I know they've got a lot of good pieces. I don't think they're going to win the title or maybe even get to the conference finals, but that much firepower in the regular season is going to be like I think that's going to overwhelm teams who aren't trying to plan for it. So, I wouldn't be surprised if those four teams, Golden State, Phoenix, Denver, and Los Angeles are in the top 4 by the end of the season.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. I I just wonder if Phoenix will be too adjacent to what we saw um in the other la team the clippers right when when that team was first assembled it's like oh my gosh paul george Kawhi leonard and then every single other veteran you could possibly draw up reggie jackson robert covington right and then what happened too many good players that weren't happy with their role and and then the their two stars continue to be in and out you know of of being healthy or not and they haven't been able to make it all come together so um, yeah,
1: absolutely. Especially because they're all so Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and then Bradley Beal, the new addition. And then all, all so the, similar all the in how they, that score. they all,
0: all those free mm-hmm. agents that they added are all still trying to find like real deals too. So how does that work when you've mm-hmm. got like eight guys on your roster that all are kind of vying for what's next after this? They didn't really like sign a bunch of multi-year deals and like lock guys in that are going to be system guys. You kind of get the feel that this is a little bit like the the Brooklyn situation. Let's bring three mm-hmm. superstars together and then just sign a bunch of veterans. And on paper, it looks really good. But then in reality, the chemistry is off because what are we building towards? What are we working towards? Um, Absolutely. Getting, getting Kevin Durant another ring, or Devin Booker's first ring, or is this about building something that's lasting? And I get the sense that it's more the, uh, the former than the latter.
1: Absolutely. And you can tell we're on a Warriors podcast and we're both Warriors fans where we're like, culture matters. The <laughs> matters. It's important. <laughs> but it's true. It's true because we see it bear out over and over again. And we also saw what happened with the Warriors when their culture got poisoned last year in terms of the vibes in the locker room. I think that's all great. And thinking about Phoenix... I mean, I do think that maybe Devin, Devin Booker seems to be all about it when it comes to basketball, and a real winner and a dog, and gets better every year and everything like that. That's maybe a little bit more reliable than Kyrie Irving. Especially we have Kevin Durant, who doesn't want to be like the leader of a locker room or a team. He just wants to go out and play ball. So you've got Devin Booker's the one who's trash talking and kind of leading the team, but. I saw a stat, Devin Booker's literally the only player from the team that made the finals in 2021 when right. they went against the Bucks. That was like, it was two seasons ago.
0: Right, and where's the continuity? Yeah,
1: everyone's gone. That was shocking to me. Not like three players, literally everyone except for the star player. And that was a finals team. I understand. I mean, we're praising a, the Warriors for going for it, but that is a, a final, level of A finals
0: up. team that Chris Paul said, Losing Dario Saric in the finals to that, uh, was it an ACL injury, was a big reason why they lost the series.
1: Oh, my God. Are you telling me we're going to get some Chris Paul-Dario Sarge connections in this year's finals, making some cool plays? I didn't even uh, put those two together. that Sarge was on that Phoenix Suns team with Chris Paul. That's yeah. very cool.
0: And they both love each other.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. No, man, I'm excited for this. I feel like there's such intensity of purpose. Everyone seems to be looking back last year, not just with regret, but with determination and almost an anger of how could they let this happen to their legacy. And they've still got stuff in the tank. And the way Chris Paul's taken Southwest flights up to work and staff, <laughs> the way they're They're staying late to practice the off ball movement. Clay Thompson talking about how he's like watched game six against the Lakers over and over again. And he was tired and he's working on his conditioning and how to help the team when the shot's not like, I think they are all so focused. And yeah, if we know this team, these team, these guys are champions and they are winners. And now we don't have someone who's dribbling the ball off of his foot at the end of possessions all the time, every single game. So there's really a chance for something special here. But and it's not, it's not like
0: I'm trying to say that, that you know, these other teams like Phoenix are washed and, and don't have a chance. I think it's going to be a gauntlet of the Western Conference, but I think that the Warriors aren't going to be facing an uphill battle every night. I think that's that's my main takeaway is, like, you've got this – continuity and high IQ you're not going to be making so many mistakes conceding so many rebounds turning it over so many times blundering possessions throwing away end of game leads that you're going to win the games you're supposed to win you're going to lose some games along the way too because like you just said there's so many good teams out there young teams old teams you know you name it but I think that Mm -hmm. the Warriors are going to be so much more consistent and they're not going to get into a, a place where it's like they start the season losing their first seven games on the road and all of a sudden everybody's in a panic. I think that it's going to be the reverse of that. Everyone's going to be, you know, locked in and ready to go, you know, opening night against um against Phoenix. And um Ooh. and that and that energy is really gonna take us forward um and, and give us a little bit of breathing room and not feel like, you know, everyone's like, what's going on with the Road Warriors? Um
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this team has got the juice even last year and how weird it was. They beat every great team when it mattered, when they were at home, they lost on the road. There was chemistry issues. That team did not like each other. And it was an uphill As you said, it was an uphill battle every single night. This team knows what it needs to do. They have a connectivity and clarity of purpose. And yeah, I think they're going to seize the season by the horns and run with it. I'm so excited.
0: Hell yeah. Well, Corey, it's always great and a pleasure having you come on to the pod. Um, Yeah, we got four more preseason games and then tipping off in in 12 days. This is going to be very interesting.
1: let's go. Still some things to see, some players to make the final team. Can't wait for this season. It's going to be something special. I can feel it. Thanks so much for having me on, Sam. Go Dubs!
0: And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a Sports Ethos presentation. Guys, for all you fantasy basketball players out there, we've got the Brewski 150 and so much more online at Sportsethos.com if you're looking for an edge in your fantasy leagues. Um, And now we've got great teams covering pretty much every sport, uh, MLB, NHL, um even some of the most obscure ones so go head on over to sportsethos.com get that edge that you are looking for to win your fantasy leagues. and with that if you haven't already please give me a follow over at twitter that's at SD orlick subscribe rate and review the show thanks for tuning in guys and we'll catch you on the next one